I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. On this episode of Newt's World, former Speaker of the House and my good friend, Kevin McCarthy, announced in an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal on December 6th that he'd be leaving Congress. The son of a firefighter, McCarthy describes himself as an optimist, having served 17 years in the same congressional seat representing California's 20th congressional district from 2007 to 2023. Since he wrote that op-ed, he has left Congress and started the next chapter of his career. I consider him a good friend, so I want to have him on today to talk about what's next for him and what we can expect in the coming months with the elections of the House and presidential campaign. So I'm really pleased to welcome my guest, the 55th Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. Kevin, welcome, and thank you for joining me again on News World. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. It's an honor to be back on your podcast and spend a little more time with you. As somebody who's gone through a similar experience, I'm just going to go right into it. Tell us about the first couple of days and your reaction when you didn't have to get up in the morning and go to the house. <laughs> you know, the first part is you, you, so much of your life for the last couple of decades has been in the house, making sure everything's working. You're worried about every little thing. And you know what? It's able to go without you. And when you turn on the TV and you look at the more chaos, you kind of think, I'm glad I'm not there right now. But <laughs> hopefully you would have made it a little better, and a little different. You've had a great career. I think I first remembered you when you were, I think, first an intern and then you worked briefly with John Boehner on the election subcommittee, looking at a recount, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was House administration. The whole story, I tried to get an internship I got turned down from, but only in this country can you actually end up getting elected to the seat you couldn't get an internship for. But I went back and Bill Thomas let me become an intern and put me on and he was doing House administration. We'd have contested elections. It was Rose in Lumberton, North Carolina contested race. And John Boehner was actually the member to it. And we were down looking at that race. And that's 
from the very beginning. I have this old picture I got to pull out. You were kind enough as speaker to let me come in and take a picture with you. You had that dinosaur in the conference room. As busy as you were, change in Washington. What I always loved about you, you always had new ideas. You were never afraid to meet with people and even inspire a young person like myself to stay involved. When did you start getting interested in politics? You know, it's interesting. In elementary school, they had something called the weekly reader, where you'd have this old film. In the class, I got to put it in the little projector, but you would reflect on what happened during the week on different news items, right? Today, you could get it on your phone or whatever, but Jimmy Carter was president at the time. And it's still certain defining things in your life. You still remember them almost in slow motion. I remember the chaos in America. And I still remember Jimmy Carter's malaise speech where he puts a sweater on. He looks like Mr. Rogers, right? And literally the way I remember as a child is to turn the heater down and tell me the best days were behind us. And then I remember this other guy from California who really brought me to the party and made me think about politics. Ronald Reagan, you know, no pastels. You fly the bold colors. You go to the shiny city on the hill. And it's something you and I talk a lot about, you know. You'll say, oh, you're from California. You're always happy. You know, you got to show them you're tough. I take the Reagan philosophy. If I ever thought Reagan would give me philosophy, there's two major things. He would say, if you truly believe in your principles, and in those principles, it doesn't matter if your principles can be different, but if you believe these principles bring people more freedom, why are you angry? If you knew you were fighting for your principles, and at the end, it brought people more freedom, you should be a happy conservative, not an angry conservative. But that would go to a progressive or someone else too, if that was the outcome you truly believed your principles brought. He would also tell you, peace without freedom is meaningless. It is human nature that we all crave peace, no matter who you are, but you can never attain it without having freedom. That's where the progressives and the others miss how to have peace. You have to have the freedom first, right? And when you think of that time in the era, and I grew and got older, the Berlin Wall coming down, our Tiananmen Square, building a statue that looks like the Statue of Liberty, right? That these young kids, a million of them in college, and would stand in front of a tank. Literally, we to this day, I don't know that man's name because he's not alive today, but he would sacrifice his life for the idea. And to me, that is what Reagan talked about, the shiny city on the hill, that America is more than a country. America is an idea that's more powerful than our aircraft carriers, right? That this idea is so powerful. It would inspire a million kids in Tiananmen Square to build a statue that looks like Statue of Liberty because they craved the peace. They wanted the freedom. And today, I think the challenge is just as great. That began to intrigue you with politics. And then you went to school. And didn't you also work? I was class president one year in my sophomore year. The only election I ever lost was for re-election to class president in high school. But when I got out, you know, my folks didn't have great money. But my first driver was I wanted to be an entrepreneur, right? So I'm going to community college. The guy that owns the liquor store that we buy some beer at and can get someone underage, he had a car dealer's license. And Bakersfield's two hours from L.A., so I talked to him one day. I said, I'll give you $100 if you would go with me to L.A. It's where all the dealers bring their trade-ins. But you got to be a dealer together. And I would buy and sell cars. And I was flipping them to make money while I went to college. And on the weekends, I'd visit my buddies who were away at college. My best friend was the running back at Stanford. My other buddy was at SC. 
And my other friends were at San Diego State. So this weekend, I was going to go to San Diego State. So I go to the Food Town Market, a little grocery store that I used to box groceries in to cash a check, right? As I'm standing in line with my friend, the lottery had just started the day before. And so I tell my friend, if I win the lottery, I'll give you a hundred bucks. I buy two scratch-off tickets and I'm one of the first winners of the lottery. But you got to put it in perspective. This is 1985. I'm 20 years old. I just won $5,000. This is before Biden inflation. So it was real money. You're 20 years old. It's Friday night and you're going to spend the weekend 10 minutes from Tijuana, right? So I come back. I took my folks to dinner. I can still tell you what they ordered, steak, Diane. I gave my brother and sister each 100 bucks and I put the majority of the rest of the money. And the thing you learn about me is I love to take risks, right? I put it into one stock and I make 30% on my money in six weeks. Not because I'm brilliant. I took a lot of stock that would have risk. I got a good outcome. So at the end of the semester, I decided I'm going to take a break from school. I sell my deli so I could pay my way through college. And what I do while I'm going to college, the local paper, the Bakersfield, California, has this article to be a summer intern in Washington, D.C. with Bill Thomas. So I apply. I didn't know the man, but I thought he'd be lucky to have me. And you know what he did? He turned me down. But in the turndown letter, there was a really nice part. So I go back to the office. They wouldn't even let me get past the first door of the reception. And Kathy Abernathy was the chief of staff, and she came out and interviewed me. I said, look, I don't need to go to D.C. You don't need to pay me. I got money. I just want to volunteer because I wanted to meet people in business. They said, you can volunteer for one month for free. Great. Because they had computers. I could do my homework at night. A month comes forward. They say, we like you. We want you to stay on. We don't have much money. I go, great. We'll pay you $100 a month. Fabulous. Don't need money. That's what got me started in politics. And then I went to the college Republican meeting because there's this one guy. Sometimes you find people in politics, and I had eight of them in my Congress, that are just the psychopaths or they're out for themselves. And I went to the first meeting because he was such a problem child, and we overthrew and took over the college Republicans on my first night. Wow. You're already a leader the very first evening? I became chairman of the College Republicans. I made it the biggest club on campus. I had the Bushes come in. I would have different people come and talk. And what was interesting, they'd come and talk about Reagan's policies when it came to what people would call Star Wars or others, which is the Iron Dome today, right? You're already active as a College Republican. Don't you then also have sort of a national college Republican activity? I went from college Republicans to joining young Republicans, and I became national young Republican chairman across the nation, getting more people involved. You and Steve Scalise actually knew each other way back then. Yeah. When I was national chair, Steve was chairman of Louisiana. Scott Perry, who is a member today from Pennsylvania, he was in the Pennsylvania delegation. And Ron Estes in Kansas He's older than me. He actually was ahead of Kansas, ran for Kansas. I ran for national chairman, but lost. It was a very competitive race. I remember going to that convention. I was just a member at the time. So it's a very good training ground to how to build a coalition. How do you then make the transition? Because don't you go next to Washington? I got my MBA. I was going to go into business. I ran for the community college board because they were helpful to me. And I found all the frustrations with Sacramento. So I ran for the state assembly and I won. It was a tough year. And actually in nine months into my freshman year, I get elected leader, the first freshman Republican or Democrat ever get elected leader in Sacramento. And we end up recalling Gray Davis, kind of transformed things. And then what was interesting, I was in the minority 
And then they elected a new speaker, a Democrat, and the local journal there picked me as the rookie of the year, the most powerful. And I remember the speaker calling me in. He was so mad that I won it. I said, well, nobody votes on it. You know, they just look at it. All right, we got people, but I don't know. He was angry with me that he didn't win. Well, I remember coming out while you were leader. It was clear that you had a future, and it was clear that eventually you would replace Bill Thomas. I brought in all the district reps because I was going out to win seats. And I had you come in and talk to Inspire because you always inspired me. You know, the thing about the Republican Party and really the conservative wing of the party, and that's what I think of when I think of you and I, there are people today that aren't true conservatives because they just don't want to govern. That's not where Reagan was. You want to govern in a small government conservative way to show that you can be effective, efficient, and accountable in the process. And part within California, that was our challenge. We had to show the public, look, we won some big races those years. We won the governorship. We got appointed to the secretary of state. We were competitive in places they didn't think. And then what I did, I just applied that when I got elected to Congress in 06. We had lost the majority that year. And that's when I created what was Young Guns going out across the country. And fortunately, I'd been able to be leader these last five years. And in those five years, those two cycles, we've never lost. We've only won. We won in the cycles that Republicans lost the Senate twice, they lost the presidency, they lost governors, they lost the legislatures. And we did it by electing more women, more minorities, challenging in places and seats that most Republicans wouldn't think to. I mean, when I became leader, Pelosi became speaker. And in those two cycles, you know how many seats Pelosi won in California? Zero. She lost five. And that was our majority. We won in Oregon. We hadn't won there in 20-some years. We beat the DCCC chair. That hadn't happened in 46 years. We won five in New York. We won in Arizona, while every other Republican lost from governor on down in Arizona. We picked up a seat from the Democrats. So I think there's a model here. And part of that is one of the times I enjoyed the most is when you would go on the road with me that last month when we were campaigning. And remember going down into Texas, a place no one thought with the border we're talking. We're talking right along the border. Remember that one night, the crowd of what was there? We had three Latinas running. The crowd, you wouldn't think you were walking into the Republican Party, did you? And how enthusiastic. And I mean, there's something changing here. It is fascinating to watch the polling numbers shift. And I think part of it is us. Part of it's the appeal of Trump. But part of it's Biden. I mean, he is driving Asians, Latinos, African-American males. I mean, in every one of those groups, they're now drifting our way and away from him. It's a little bit like what Jimmy Carter did for Ronald Reagan. Carter made it much easier for Reagan to end up as president. And Biden, I think, is shifting things in our direction. I remember campaigning with you the last weekend in 22. And, and frankly, I was amazed at your range of connections. You were the most successful fundraiser at the House level in the Republican Party's history. And you and I have talked about it before, but you do have this sort of Ronald Reagan surfs up California optimism. It's who you are. The one part I really love is you and I went to Jen Kiggins, Virginia Beach, the last night before the election. Here she is, a former helicopter pilot, husband F-18, the core of what we had to very, very competitive race to win, to beat the Democrats down there. And just that crowd and the enthusiasm, we knew then we could win the majority. But the challenge, too, is, you know, you had the Supreme Court decision. 
the lines are more competitive. And we ended up winning in seats that Biden won by more than 10 points than in the seats that were you would think would be a better chance for us. The New York and California results were the majority maker, and nobody would have predicted them. Mm-mm. And the unique thing is putting a strategy there to fund them when they didn't even think. Beating the chairman Maloney, the head of the DCCC, and it's not just the head of the DCCC, the constituents in that district, Soros and the Clintons. Think about that. I mean, I'm willing to take risk in areas others can't if you have the right candidate. And Mike Lawler is an amazing member. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I think what struck me was you had developed a commitment to America. You had done it with your entire party. I remember going to one of your retreats with your members, and there was real commitment from the overwhelming majority of your conference. I think, in a sense, you're a historic anomaly because even in the moment which cost you the speakership, you had 96% of your conference with you. I've thought about that from my own experience and thought, you know, you can't get much above 96%. I would love to have a 96 when I went to school. But, you know, the thing, too, is when I set back to all these other leaders, most of them never carry a 96. And it just shows a few can partner with the Democrats that can take over. If you think of those first nine months, we would simply walk through the commitment America. And I got to tell you, it's a compliment to you. I studied what you did in the contract because you tell the American public what you're going to do. They make a decision in the election what they want to happen, and then you carry it out. You know, when we sat there, we have a border bill, border security. We have make America energy independent. We have a parent's bill of rights. We have an accountability project, welfare reform. I mean, so much of this we were achieving that we gave the American public. And 
the difficult part is what you see happening right now is knocking us off the basis of what we said and how we would govern. What strikes me is that I felt like you had done virtually everything right. You had grown a party. You had broadened the party dramatically. You had moved the party to a more positive role. You very successfully outmaneuvered Joe Biden on the debt ceiling and gained substantial ground. And yet you had eight people who preferred being kamikaze pilots to being part of a winning team. And they're still there, and I think they're still causing problems for Mike Johnson, who's found out that a lot of these things are a lot harder than I think they looked from the outside. I think history will look at it that way. I mean, history will go back on one actual member that would sacrifice the country for their own fear of not coming out what his personal shortcomings and illegal things that he had done, that he would risk anything for that. In the long term, look, if you're in politics, it's a tough business. I have a good friend who was coach of the Redskins, Ron Rivera, known for a long time when he coached down in the Carolinas. And he lost his job the other day, you know, and I call him up and he said, you know, this is a tough business I'm in. I said, I reflect the same way. When you think about it, our occupations sometimes, we play on a national stage where everybody gets to see. To win an election on a given day, you know exactly how many people like you and how many people dislike you. On a football game, you know whether you score or whether you win. You got to have faith to walk up and carry the next day. And I've never said being the member of being a congressman is going to define my life. I always have faith that, you know, God has a different plan for me. At times, it's not the same plan I map out, but I think he knows a little better than I do. So I just know to give it your all, surpass expectations, and there'll always be more opportunity for you. You know, we're talking just a few days before Iowa. What's your sense of the presidential race? I really think the presidential race is pretty much over. I think it's going to be decided by March 15th. I look at this. I think Republicans have a better chance to pick up seats in the House than they did in the last two cycles. And it goes back to the Jimmy Carter area. If Joe Biden stays the nominee for the Democrats, it's going to be a very good night for Republicans. I think Biden's going to be the nominee. I think Donald Trump's going to be the nominee. And just truth in advertising, I have endorsed President Trump. But I also tell President Trump, if he runs a campaign, I was very impressed by one of his answers this week on Fox on a town hall. I told him, if it's about renewing, restoring, and rebuilding America, that's a Ronald Reagan. Presidential elections are inspirational, okay? If you're the incumbent, it's also a report card on you. But if it's about revenge, it's going to be a tougher election for President Trump. And, you know, they asked him a question about revenge, and he says, you know, the greatest revenge is making this country successful. I love that answer. I love that. That was a good answer. And he needs to continue to work towards that because we're too close between these two presidencies that America could actually see. What does it mean when you have low gas prices? What does it mean when there's not war in Europe? What does it mean when North Korea is not testing missiles? What does it mean when you didn't have to evacuate five embassies? What does it mean when our border is secure? You know, the world is a different place and you become more optimistic. So I think we're going to have a very healthy debate. Now that Chris Christie got out, New Hampshire could be interesting. Look, I'm fortunate to be speaking to a person who's been speaker, but actually ran for president. And, you know, you came very close that there's times when somebody else could have gotten out, you would have been the nominee, right? And so 
I don't know what that means for New Hampshire, but we sped everything up. Then you go to South Carolina. Then you got Super Tuesday. I think the nominee is chosen by March 15th. I don't see how they ever get Biden out of the race. If you're sitting there and you got the White House, you got Air Force One, you got Marine One, you got Camp David, and the alternative is to bicycle in Delaware. That seems to me that Dr. Jill is not going to say, oh, why don't we go home, Joe? I think they're going to cling to it till the last possible day. And in that race, I agree with you. It's very much like what happened with Carter and Reagan. And it ultimately, I think, comes down to, you know, for example, we've had 8 million illegal immigrants cross the border. So you want another 8 million? You know, you've had the inflation rate, which bent back up again today as you and I are talking. You want more inflation? On every front, Biden is sort of closing off his future. They become a little more elite where they don't get out with the public. For them to think they don't have a problem at the border, it is now becoming equal to what the economy is. And they don't look at other elements. You know, there was a really powerful testimony this week about this country western singer. It's called Jelly Roll. And he's a big man. He's got tattoos on his face. He can't vote. He's felony. And he's there not as a Republican or Democrat, but he's there because he said, I was part of the problem. I helped bring fentanyl. You know, fentanyl will kill almost 200 people today, poison them. That's the equivalent of an airliner crashing every day in America. The other element you look at the border, on one given month, like in February last year, we had caught more people on the terrorist watch list. And think how difficult that is to get on the terrorist watch list than the entire last administration. The year before last, we had caught two people from Yemen who coming into California, not on the same day. But you wonder, what do they have planned? And we know what a handful of people, the type of damage they can do in America. But what just transpired last night where when the Houthis was attacking our Navy. And we responded. Well, they know how to come in and attack America. You don't need to attack the ships. You just walk up through the southern border and create chaos. When you learn that, for example, they just reduced the number of questions you ask Chinese immigrants from 60 to 5. You basically have an Iranian Chinese government occupying the White House where America comes in either third or fourth. Somebody said to me, it's not that they come in after Iran and China. They come in after Iran, China, and everybody else. And then you get to the Americans. Well, think of this. When Biden took office, Iran was only producing 400,000 barrels a day. They're now up to 3 million. That's billions of dollars. That's how Hezbollah gets funded. That's how the Houthis get funded. And that's where chaos and terrorism comes from. And if you think and you study the world history, it looks a lot like the 1930s. The axis of evil, right? You've got Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, all countries who want to span their sphere of influence are bounding together. And this is where peace without freedom is meaningless. This is where the Reagan philosophy of America being strong makes the world safe that the progressives don't understand. You can't attain peace without having freedom. I do have to ask you one or two other things in the pony tradition. I know almost the minute you figured out that you couldn't really negotiate with the eight people who I think, frankly, were insane to not be for you and to basically betray their party, you immediately began thinking about a better future. And one of the reasons I'm an optimist strategically, I tell people all the time, if we, if we can get through the next decade, we're going to pull away dramatically. And part of the reason for that is artificial intelligence and artificial general intelligence. And I have to say, you are probably the person who most got me thinking about this seriously 
when you brought the MIT professors down to brief members of Congress. Tell us about both your future and your thinking about artificial intelligence. I've been looking at AI for quite some time. And what's interesting, and you've had this benefit too, having been the speaker, being part of the Gang of Eight gives you a different perspective. You get other knowledge that others wouldn't have. But, you know, MIT has taught a course for AI and quantum to the generals in our military. And the reason why other countries are trying to capture it, because whoever captures that first has an advantage. And America's ability, especially after World War II, was a technological advantage what America has had over all others. When you look into war, our technology is better, right? It keeps us safer, but you look at our economies and others. And so I went to MIT long before I was speaker, and I brought like 10 members, and I had them develop a course for members themselves, because here we are policymakers. And if you watch from the Industrial Revolution to the Internet, government is slower to react. And if you look on a macro scale, China wants to capture this, but China is never going to let the private sector really have it because of the fear of their Communist Party that they would overthrow their government. Europe is going to be Europe, and they're going to overregulate it. So America is going to be the Wild West, and it's going to grow here, and it's really going to help us economically. And I think it's going to happen in California, just from the mindsets of what you're seeing. But there's people who take AI and they're fearful of it. It's like the kid in the room, the battery's going to run out. Yeah, could someone use it for something bad? Yeah, they could use anything else. But you also want to think of the potential. So I had been bringing MIT, Sam Altman, and others. The only time members of Congress get together without the press around or anything else is when we'd get these top secret briefings on a threat. So I started doing briefings on issues like this and let people talking about it. And when I saw that I'm not going to stay in Congress, there's not the role for me, but I'm going to get out, but I'm going to still participate. AI is one area I just think has the greatest potential, but also what's going to happen here is the internet started out, it started doing everything, and then government finally found out, hey, wait a minute, and they start suing Microsoft, right? It starts changing all. AI is moving so much faster than anything the internet has done. And... The thing I don't want to have happen here is that America becomes Europe. I want to utilize it for the right things. I mean, I think from the standpoint, knowing government, but also knowing the potential of AI, how can I take that Reagan aspect of freedom, but also take the prosperity there? I mean, look, a lot of people fear, oh, they're going to take certain jobs. Yeah, the cars took the horse buggy problem away too, right? But there became so many more opportunities. The grasp of AI, you know, I, I was just reading this thing on, uh, is it Aza Raskin? He, he did a podcast. And philosophically, he's different than me. But he has taken AI. Now, we know what animals say to one another because it charts it in a whole different manner. We know what wells are talking to. And the way they put it together, the language when they do AI, it's like a solar system now. Every speech pattern has like a star to it. We don't even know the full potential here, but I do know it'll make government more effective, more efficient, and more accountable to the public. I know we could probably cure cancer faster. We could make individual drugs for one another. We can speed up the process of testing because you have all this data. Now, the competition is going to be much different because the way you do AI is there's a lot of data involved. And because of the way America looks at personal freedom and others, it's hard to gather all that. And China has a bigger population. They could put things. So we've got to think differently when we do it. And I want to make sure... For the same way that Lincoln and some of the 
toughest times of our country can build an intercontinental railway while he's trying to get the Civil War solved and create the 13th Amendment. We've got a lot of challenges out there, but that railway also helped us prosper into a place much bigger, bringing people together too in the long run. AI can do that. And if America leads it, it's not as fearful of what the negative things of AI can do. You're looking at more from a positive aspect. But I also see a few companies that have been faster at it. Some of them now look that they want to take government to regulate it. So now they become a monopoly, which I don't want to see. I want to see more competition so it continues to improve. When you look at our debt crisis in America, it's hitting a wall. It's hitting a wall. And when you look at healthcare, okay, which is one of the largest drivers of where we spend our money, we can no longer have this fee for service. We've got to look at outcomes. And if you're looking at outcomes, you're producing a better product. But AI can assist. And for the first time, the policymakers should start putting numerous pilot programs all through these states using Medicaid and others, right? And with you do AI, you can do individual health care for individuals. And the thing I've always found, if you get a senior and they go into four different doctors and they're taking all this different medication, but no one's looking at all the medication itself that is actually hurting them, right? They're taking one pill that hurts the blood pressure pill that they're taking over here. We can save the government money. We can provide a greater health to the individual themselves. What if we cure diabetes? What if we cure cancer, right? Think of that for one minute. We've got these new wonder drugs. I don't know if from Ozempic and others. Can we model that? Would that actually be cheaper to look at an individual today that can have diabetes in the future to provide them a different life, a longer lifespan and different care? I don't know. But the capabilities of the study without having to study seven years and have a thousand people in that you can gather the data and have something quicker. I just think it's tremendous. I tell people that artificial intelligence and artificial general intelligence are probably going to be as big as a combination of chemistry, the internal combustion engine, and electricity in 1870, that we're going to be startled 20, 30 years from now. And how many tools it gives us, how much it improves and enhances our life, and how many more options it gives us. And I fully expect to see you because you can bridge, having been in business and having been in public life, you can really be one of the pioneers at explaining to the rest of us what the potential is. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Bring it on. 
Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. I'm going to go from the gigantic artificial intelligence to an idea that you and I have been kicking around, and that is the concept of a speaker's bar in Naples. So I'm going to let you do the pitch because I haven't quite sold Callista. Okay. Back in the day, I ran a deli. You live down in Florida now. And so what I thought, and look, I can't thank you enough. You have been a mentor to me. You have inspired so many. And I was doing this interview with Financial Times, and they said, well, what do you want to say? Look, I don't want people to be thinking government's negative. You can be a conservative. I want you to get in the help. I think public service is positive, right? You're not supposed to do it forever. I don't want to be in there when I'm 80 or something. But the other thing too is what can we inspire? So what if we got a restaurant here? So the food is great. The drinks are good. We call it speakers. We come in and put the different things that we have had during our speakers times and we can put it in there. People can see it, but you and I can join once a month. We can run your podcast from there. We can bring different people in. We can invite people to join the group, right? They could pay a nominal fee, and we'll bring different speakers in to start having discussion. Is it AI? What is the foreign policy? What does the world look like? We could bring in different world leaders, and we can have people engaging in this. And you know what? We'll bring people in from the different parties, and you and I can debate and show the world that you don't have to be angry at one another. The idea can win at the end of the day. And at the same time, you can both keep your same principles, but you can foster a debate that is positive about what's happening in America. And it could be a focal point. And you know what? If it does well there, we could put different places across this country. Because think of this. You could have been running a zoo one day. You could have been a college professor. You could have been in the military, right? It's your strategic mind. You're an author. You're so many things, but you were willing to sacrifice and you made it all the way to be speaker. There's only been 56 speakers in the history of America, right? Only in America can that happen. I get turned down from an internship, but you can make it up. I would love to inspire other people to be a part. I would love people that even though if they're not going to run for office, to be that type of citizen, though, with technology today, you can participate, right? You can help give the idea. I've always liked the idea of bringing people in from business into government for a year or two, kind of like a Peace Corps, to help us make government more efficient and smaller, right? Utilize that. Why does Uber get to select your driver, rate him and all that? Why can't the VA do the same thing for our veterans? Make it easier and more efficient for them. And I want to bring other minds to that and have other debates. But what would be a better time? Someone could come in and share a drink with you and have a debate, and we'll bring other speakers in. We could actually stream the conversations on Thursday nights. People who want to just be part of learning. I mean, I do think in that sense, we have this relationship in part because we're probably two of the most idea-oriented people ever to be speakers. And that it isn't just about the power, but it's the solving problems and the learning and all that. Both of us get excited by that kind of thing. So maybe we can set up a little link or a place at English 360 called Speakers for people who want to write in and say they'd like to know more about it. Follow the progress as we meander our way down the road. This thing may actually evolve 
And I think the way you're framing it, it actually becomes an extension of our public service and a place that has both good food and good drink, but also has really good ideas. That's kind of fun. The other thing, too, the food will be great. The drinks will be great. You'll get a drink at 218. The only drink in the place that won't taste good would be the motion to vacate drink. (laughs) There we go. I like that. That's not bad. It'll make you sick. Yeah. (laughs) And I won't suggest, because it'll be too petty, what we might name that drink and the person it could be named for. That would be petty. Listen, as always, and I hope people who have listened to this have some sense of both how much affection we have for each other and how much fun we have talking about ideas. I really want to thank you for doing this, and I think it's great fun. And I'm frankly looking forward to spending some time with ideas and with you. And I think probably between us, we can get some pretty interesting people to come and chat with us on Thursday evenings. I think so, too. And if anybody's listening and want to be investors in it, look, we're entrepreneurs, we're capitalists, we'll make it all happen. That's right. It's all at Gingrich 360, and we want you to feel free. Kevin, thank you a lot for joining today. Thank you, Speaker. Appreciate you. Thank you to my guest and close personal friend, Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. You can learn more about what is next for him on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newtsworld is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Garnsey Sloan, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newtsworld, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at Gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.